Welcome to the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We are your hosts, Michael and Lauren Falk. We are physical therapists, athletic trainers, and strength and conditioning coaches at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance. We will be talking all things related to athletic performance for Milwaukee area athletes. Sports medicine, performance training, sports nutrition, recovery, and sports coaching. There's a lot of misinformation and myths surrounding athletic performance and injuries. This podcast is designed to bring current, factual, and evidence-based information to Milwaukee area athletes. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Khan Salibi, a physical therapist. Khan is a dual board certified physical therapist in Long Island that owns Rehab Performance Academy, an out-of-network physical therapy practice that helps competitive and recreational athletes. He has also founded an online ACL platform called the ACL Academy that helps athletes navigate their ACL care. Khan, welcome to the show and thanks for your time today to come on. Oh, thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So um, I just want to kind of start diving in. So could you give our listeners a little bit more on your background and how you've gotten so interested in ACL rehab? Yeah. So, I mean, as far as physical therapy, I have the traditional model of, uh, I was an athlete all my life. I uh, spent a lot of time playing soccer, high school and some college. Um, and unfortunately, I spent a lot of time getting injured. So I was in the training room, the rehab clinic, all that stuff. So that really opened the doors for me for physical therapy. And I always wanted to work with athletes. So that was a big, big thing for me. And then as far as the ACL end, um, I really, I don't have a personal story. Thankfully, I never injured my ACL, which is great. But I really fell in love working with the ACL athlete once I started to really get to know them, right? I, you know, you work with them before surgery, you get them ready for surgery, and then you're with them for months. So really that connection that I could build, that relationship that I could build with these athletes was like super important to me. And then secondly, I think the best part of the gig is seeing them play for the first time. Like I really try to make it a point like, Hey, where are you playing your first game? Can I go? Can I make it? And to see them out there, I really think that, that in my opinion, there's nothing that beats that. Yeah, no, I, uh, I agree. It's, it's, we try to do the same thing and it's, it's one of those like nervous moments. Like I'm usually somewhere in like the far corner of a stand, like you're excited <laughs> for them. You're also like terrified. Your heart's in your oh, yeah. throat. You know, you feel like you're living every play with them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It, 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 but really is when you see them out there and then, you know, when they get out of the jitters, they make that first big play or they even score a goal or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, we're good. You know, and uh, it's awesome. It really is yeah. a great feeling. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's great. It, it is funny how, how almost all PTs get into this too. I remember like the first day of PT school, like one of our first labs, they went around the, the room and everyone, you know, asked how, how'd you get in to be a physical therapist? And like, nine out of 10 of the kids are like, oh, I you know, got injured and went to PT and decided that's what I wanted to do. So it's such a, such a similar story. Oh yeah, of course. It, which is awesome. And I think that's a great part of the field. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what are, you know, I think ACL rehab, we've, we've done a couple of podcasts on this in the past and, you know, it's just, it's a huge passion for us and, and similar to you, you know, we kind of really set our clinic up with this injury in mind um, as, as something to take care of and, and try to, try to do better with, but what are some current issues that you see in the ACL rehab world, um, in particular with athletes? 
So, I mean, when you look at the numbers, like if you dive a little deeper into the research, and as I'm sure you know, when you look at our re-injury rates, I mean, they can be close to, you know, I know some are reported on the low end, but some reports are close to 30%. And on our end, when we deal with youth athletes, these kids get so much exposure, right? They're playing every day, sometimes seven days a week uh, for hours at a time. So after coming back to a sport, let's say a level one type sport, like they are exposed to this, this, this game. And, and, and if they're not ready, our re-injury rates are going to stay that high. So I think we just are not doing the best job yet. And for me, I think it's more towards the end of the care, like that return to play aspect that we're just having hammered down. Um, that's one of the glaring things um, from my end. Yeah. No, no, we see similar things. And I mean, I think, you know, there's even one study that looks at um, particularly in high risk sports, you know, going from high school to college in a high risk, like soccer, basketball, cutting, pivoting sport, it's almost 40% of, of kids that play at high school, tore their ACL and went on to play in college ended up with a, with a second, second tear. You know, I think some of the numbers are brought down by the fact that a lot of people just don't go back to, you know, yeah. a lot of adults and stuff. It's like, okay, I'm going to be done playing rec soccer, rec basketball. So they don't get re-injured, but, um, you know, I agree. We just see this, we see this kind of massive, um, re-injury rate. And I explain it to patients all the time. Like, you know, any other orthopedic surgery, like knee replacements, if they failed 30% of the time, we wouldn't do the surgery anymore. You know, that would be yeah. totally unacceptable. Um, but for some reason, this injury, it's, it's just something that's continued to plague us. Yeah. You see, we have two timers and three timers and like, I, my heart aches when I see like, uh, let's say a 14 year old girl, she injures her ACL for the first time. And then two years later, she's a junior in high school and then she injures again. Those are like career ending. Like that's yeah. it really like, and, and, and that stinks as a youth athlete, like we have to do better. Yeah. Uh, and is it because like, are we all over the place with the care? Are we not doing the right thing? Are we telling these athletes to go back too soon when they're not ready? I just don't feel like we're all on the same page. And I think that that has to change, especially if we want these numbers to go down. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So kind of leads perfectly into my next question. So if you're evaluating uh, an athlete, let's kind of say maybe even in that later phase or mid, mid to late phase, what are some common deficits that you see um, in, the, in these athletes that have had this ACL reconstruction? So for us, like I see um, – a lot of people will reach out to me on Instagram and I'll say, uh, they'll, you know, for instance, they'll give me an example. Hey, I'm five months in and uh, I'm doing great, but I don't have all my extension back or, um, you know, six months and I just started running and my knee just blows up all the time. And like, these are the questions that I get. And I'm like, I'm puzzled because these are basic steps, right? These are almost the foundation. And I'm like, well, usually these occur because we're skipping steps and your knee is not ready to do the things that you're doing. Um, so a lot of the times I feel like I have to rewind a little bit, you know, take, you know, take them a step back, do some of the basic stuff and then get them going again. And I, I think a lot of the issues that I do see when I, when I get these athletes in the later stages is they haven't been properly built like a good base to build off of. Um, so that's one of the biggest things. I don't know if you, you kind of see that as well. Yeah, we've, uh, we've been on a bad, bad streak lately. We, uh, we pick up a lot of people probably similar to you where they'll go, um, you know, do the early parts of their rehab somewhere else and, and come shift onto our care. 
you know, partway through um, to kind of go through those late stages back to sport. And we've had about four in a row that are six months or greater post-op. And we, we objectively measure quad, quad extension or knee extension torque. And uh, I've had a 47, like between about a 47 and 60% quad deficit. And, wow. and it's just like, you know, you're, you want it. They're like trying to get ready to do the next thing. And I'm like, you know, I know that this is not going to be fun and exciting, but you're not strong enough to do that. You're not strong enough to do the single leg jumps. Your knee's swelling because you don't have this basic fundamental capacity back yet. Um, and you know, it's not the only thing that matters, but it's a key first step. I think that, um, we have to, we have to get that back. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know what, it's like one of the toughest conversations to have with an athlete who let's say started to run or started to do some agilities and then you test their strength, like you said, and all of a sudden you get this deficit and you're like, Hey, uh, you really shouldn't even be jogging yet, let alone doing some of this stuff. And like both those uncomfortable conversations you have to have. And I think it's great when the athlete understands why, right? So we always have to give them the reason why like your strength's not there or your emotion's not there. Or you're just not moving well. Um, if we educate, I think it, things turn out better. Uh, but as you said, like, this is a problem. I think there are some clinics that don't even test strength. So no. it's, this is, this is a huge issue. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, it's, we're seeing these kids, they're six months, they've never touched a weight. They've never, you know, done some of this stuff. And, and it's like, you're, you're, they're skipping steps and they're doing things because a piece of paper says it's 16 weeks and you should be able to do double leg jumping or you should be able to do this. And I'm like, that, that's great. We use, we use protocols as a guideline. We, I kind of describe it as like, they're the speed limit. You know, it's the surgeon telling us don't go faster than this because of the healing and graft integrity, but like, they're not, they're not the rule. And every, everybody's different. We have people that fly through rehab and we have other people that do everything right. Every step of the way. And it's just pulling teeth every, every step, you know, and, and I wish I knew why, but, um, that's why it just has to be individualized. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I think everyone is different. And like you said, with the rehab protocols, I think the issue that sometimes people run into is they take this protocol and they say, okay, it's week five. Uh, I got to do this, this, and this, or week eight. And, and really they may not be ready for those things or they yeah. may be ahead of those things. So you really have to kind of put that in perspective and, I don't know if it's a newer grad thing or maybe it's just lack of experience thing, but you see it a lot that they just follow what they have. And um, then we run into trouble down the road. Yeah, as you say. yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, that kind of goes into to my next thing. So what, what are some just key like foundational I, in, in our clinic? I talk a lot about like first principles, like these big rocks that um, are, are what we base everything else on. So what are some of your foundational principles that, with how you approach uh, an ACL rehab program? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big basics guy. So every, the first day somebody comes in there, like it's a good conversation about, you know, what our goals are and we go over how the timeline should look. Um, but I say it has to start with the basics and the basics can be boring. So um, range of motion is a must, right? Extension first, as we all know, we want to get that hammered home. Uh, and I'm a big believer in quad activation. So I do use the NMES early and often. Uh, we have to get those quads going because we know like weakness in the quads can last a long time after surgery. And I think if we can build it up early or activate it early, it goes a long way. And then lastly, I, I'm also, I do an effusion check 
every visit. So we use like the sweep test and I want to know how that joint is dealing with the swelling, how that joint is being stressed. So like we need to take care of that swelling. I don't want four months down the road for you to be like, Hey, the knee's blowing up here and there. I truly believe that if we stress the knee the appropriate way early and step by step, then we shouldn't have a swelling issue. So like those three are like uh, a complete must for me. Uh, I don't know if it's similar about yeah. your clinic. Yeah. Dead, dead on. That's kind of the, the place that we, we, uh, we start with and, um, you know, athletes that sometimes we have athletes that approach us early on, even when they're rehabbing somewhere else and they know they're going to shift to our care eventually. And, um, you know, they're like, what, what should I be doing? I'm like, literally, if you yeah. come in with a full range of motion, no swelling and like even average quadriceps stuff, like that's the, we can take it from there. Like it, yeah. you're going to, it's going to be smooth. You come in, um, and we've unfortunately had a few of these recently, like big extension deficits, um, swelling 14, 16 weeks. And, and, you know, some of it's not the athletes in the athletes control. Some of it's not in the therapist control. Sometimes stuff just happens, but it's, it's tough. It's, it's, you know, you're so far behind that point. You, you it just, and then you it just keep it like snowballs. You're like behind now you're losing more strength. You're not doing your normal stuff and it just keeps going. Yeah. Especially with the range deficits. I mean, it, it, when they go for months without being able to get it, it's so hard to get back. And it's like that volume and consistency. That's what I always try to preach to them. Hey, you got to do it more often, but really their life becomes wrapped around that because we really can't progress right until we get this stuff. So yeah. um, it's tough. It's really tough on not only us, but it's more so on the athletes as well. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's a mentally taxing process and, you know, sometimes it just feels like you're in the twilight zone, like every, every day, like I'm, st- I'm still doing this. Like, I'm, yeah, until, yeah. until you can do it, we're still, we're still doing it. When motivation motivation yeah. is tough that, you know, it really drains the athlete. Um, and, and it's one of the biggest things that also, you know, we didn't really touch on this, but like I, in the first visit, I talk about like how important it is to get your mind ready too, right. So to build that confidence up and to really, um, start that from an early onset because we know that this injury has such a big psychological factor. So I, we try to instill any type of mental training, little exercises that we can do to help build these athletes up and keep them motivated along the way because we know it's a journey and we know there's going to be bumps in the way along the road. So like, if we can keep you mentally tough, then I think those athletes will do that much better. Yeah, I think that's that's so important. We a similar thing and we try to shift the mindset right away i think we really need to get away from the whole six to nine month process that has to stop like we got to be like it's nine to 12 nine to 18 nine to 24 months you know and and you're in this for the long haul and i tell the kids on the first day like it's not fair it's not right you know you're gonna have extra work that you have to do that your teammates don't have to do you're gonna have extra maintenance you're gonna have extra warm-ups that you have to do and you can feel bad for yourself or you can just, you know, put your head down, do the work and treat it as an opportunity to learn more about your body, get better, build, you know, build this resiliency and, and knowledge that, Hey, I overcame this and that's going to, you know, I'm going to be stronger because of it on the other side. Yeah, I agree. That's so, so important. It's a, you know, if we could instill that early with these athletes and develop like good habits it goes a long way because it, it, it goes even after their sport. So uh, it, it 
really at the end of the day makes them that much stronger. Yeah, for sure. So this is something I always like talking about with other providers because it's something that I, I struggle with a lot when I design my sessions. Like this injury is, you know, it just feels like you're trying to stuff, you know, 15 pounds of stuff into a five pound box in every session. We've got range of motion and strength and max strength and hypertrophy and rate of force development, all these things. Um, and, you know, even in our clinics that we set up to have more time than, than average with these, with these athletes, it's still a lot of stuff to get done. So how do you, how do you just approach kind of structuring your sessions at different points during the rehab and, and how do you approach kind of getting all these different variables in and, and worked on? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what helps like our models being cash based. It's that I get to spend an hour and sometimes plus. So if I feel like I need to get more than an hour in, um, and I will schedule an hour and a half session or we'll try to work around that way. Um, but being able to be one-on-one -on -one with the athlete, we are able to prioritize what we need to do. And even if they need to do aftercare, if I have another patient coming in, we let our athletes stick around. They need to do some recovery or if they need to finish up on some exercises. So usually they get most of the time, even an hour plus of stuff. Um, um, but because we're able to work with them one-on-one, -on -one, I feel like we're, uh, able to get everything in that we need to yeah that's what um you know we're we train students and we've got a, a new pt starting next week and that's one of the things that i just continually emphasize with them is like session density you know how can we you know how can we use that rest break like I'm, you know not a huge proponent of like spending tons of time on balance and stuff but it's also not something that we can totally ignore and it's like okay well can we use that rest break between that heavy squat to do a little bit of, of some of that control work? Can we, you know, can we fit in this thing during this time? Can we use our warm ups more efficiently rather than just jumping on a bike? Can we do something to get, make sure we're getting things out of it and, and just try to get as much density in those sessions as we can? Yeah, absolutely. You got to make the most of your care. And like, even you could have your athletes come in a little early, get, get on the warm up, get, go through their dynamic stretches. Like, you don't need me to be there for that. Like you can right. go through that stuff. And then once you're ready, we can get into it. So we find ways to find more time. Like you said, that density part. So that's yeah. huge. That's great. So uh, you kind of mentioned it there, but we, we both kind of own and operate our own out of network practices. Um, you know, this is uh, some people call it cash based. We like to say out of network um, where, you know, patients pay directly and can, can submit for out of network uh, insurance benefits on their own. Um, I think this model is perfect and, and really beneficial for athletes. We, we firmly believe it's the most efficient way to provide the highest quality of care. Um, that being said, there are some drawbacks. So from your perspective, what do you see as some advantages and, and maybe some disadvantages of this model for taking care of athletes that are recovering from this injury? Yeah, I mean, the obvious advantage is you actually get to work with the athlete, right? Uh, for me, and I'm sure you have a similar story, I was in clinics before where I was seeing close to 20, 20, 25 people a day. And when you're seeing that volume, you're spending maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes tops if you're lucky. So how do I get to really know the athlete that way? How do I get to really load them the way I want to if I have to hand them off to a tech, right? Um, so for me, that was the biggest jump, that now if you're seeing me, you're seeing me and me alone or another provider, like that's super important because we get to know the athlete both physically and psychologically how they react and how they're moving along in the program uh and we're with them the whole time so that that was the biggest advantage and 
when you talk about disadvantages, I, obviously costs can be a factor. Um, and the way I try to explain it to people, hey, like, this is your livelihood. This is what makes you tick. Like, there's nothing more important to you in your life right now than to get back to soccer or baseball or lacrosse or whatever it may be. Um, and how do you put a price tag on something like that? You know, I, you know that to me, people spend money on so many different things. And if this is what makes you happy in the world, then, then this should be priority, right? So it's a disadvantage in that regard. But I think when most athletes or people can see that and the care, the level of care that they're getting, I, I really feel like a lot of people do accept it and say, I am all in. So um, I don't see too many disadvantages. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't either. And we, I, we talk about it the same way. It's, it's an investment in your body. You know, each one of these injuries increases your risk of developing early onset OA in the future. If we can lower that risk, you know, that's going to help you maintain better health in the long run. There's actually even a really interesting study that I think just came out of the hospital special surgery in New York that um, looked at, you know, they called it like enhanced ACL care or something um, of the like with, with longer, longer um, care times, more return to sport planning, that type of stuff. And as a cost benefit analysis versus the, the standard care with higher re-injury rates. And, you know, they basically found that Hey, if we spend more money on rehab on the front end to get back the first time, try to do it, everything we can to do it the you know, quote unquote right way. Um, we spend less money on the back end with second surgeries, second MRIs, you know, all these other doc doctors visits and things like that. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's really a no brainer and we just, you know, we, we, the way that we operate is we make recommendations to the patient, like, Hey, this is what I think you need. Here's your goals. Here's our time frame. Here's where you are today. Here's what I think you need to get back to your sport with the least risk of possible. If that's not feasible, schedule wise financially, we have people that probably similar to you, you know, drive from several hours away to, to see us. They might not be able to come once a week, twice a week, you know, might have to be every other week, once a month, these types of things. We'll make concessions will still do our best for you but you know we make that recommendation for what we feel is in your best interest yeah i think that you really said it the best way it's if you could map it out for the athlete if you could explain to them and educate them a plan and show them what their way they can be let's say in six months nine months or a year down the road i think if they can grasp that stuff it, it it's that much easier of a sell if you want to call it a sell you know yeah yeah no absolutely i think it's uh something that we're just seeing you know more and more we just continue to see the benefit um we sadly see just like you people the second injury that are like i wish i knew this i wish i knew you were here for the first one and our clinics are new most of the time and i'm like well we, we probably actually weren't here yet uh, but uh <laughs> yeah. i'm glad you're here now and uh yeah. we'll, we'll try to do it going forward yeah I've so, never had an athlete start with us where they're like, oh, my God, this, I, this is horrible. You know, once you get the experience and the personal treatment and the customized care, I think uh, there's another level of appreciation for that. It goes a long way. Yeah. No, and I mean, back to the PT school thing, I, I just – I was an athletic trainer first and was used to being with athletes every single day. You know, like we would have a hard time sometimes coming up with stuff to do every day because we had so much time with them. Yeah. Um, then you went, went to school and, and I have huge respect for, you know, 
physical therapy assistants and, and these other professionals, but it's like, I went on some of these clinicals and it's like, I do the eval and then I get to, I just have to turn this patient over to somebody else. I don't get to see them and see the progress and build the relationship and, and plan. I'm a, I'm a huge planner. Like this is where we are. This is where we need to go. Here's the steps to go to get there. And, uh, I was like, this isn't, this isn't why I went back to school for three years. Like I, I went back to school for three years to get better at working with these patients, not to just turn them over to somebody else and have to watch them. Yeah, you become a guy that just evaluates and sends them out and it's like, well, that's, you know, the best part of the gig is actually seeing them grow and helping them get there. So uh, I, I agree. Definitely. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's really good. Um, I know that you just started an online platform um, kind of specifically for some of these ACL um, rehabbing clients and, and patients, people going through this injury. Um, what led you to kind of see a need and then, um, develop, develop a solution in the online space? Well, two big reasons. One, believe it or not, like I, I started getting involved with these, uh, Facebook support groups that are online. I don't know if you're aware of some of these ACL recovery groups and there's thousands of people on these groups and a lot of them are lost. They reach out and they're lost. And I, you know, I it started with me just answering questions and, I even started on Instagram doing a Q&A. And then what I said to myself is like, if there's these athletes that are lost, why should a, why should geography limit them from seeing, let's say, a specialist or an expert in their care? So what we started to do is like, on the other side of it, with my local athletes, when they get further down the road, um, we see them here, but then we program them through it, like a, a mobile app that we use. So they follow their exercises. So we see them at, say, once every two weeks or once a month even. I'm like, wow, this could work for a distant athlete, not right. even in the, you know, whether it's in the United States or even all of the world. So in the, the almost the end of last year, we started promoting it on the page, the Instagram page. And I don't know, I want to say if it was a little bit of the COVID situation that helped us in a sense, kind of take it off. Um, but basically from February, we started and then March, it basically it took off and so right now we currently see a lot of athletes, not just in the States, but we see them across the globe, Mexico, Canada, Europe. Uh, and these are people that don't have a specialist with them and they look to us to guide their care. And I, uh, it's definitely opened up doors for us uh, to connect with more people and to help more people. So it's very cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think it's something that um, we talk to a lot about with people as well um, that, there, there seems to be in the medical research and, and not just with, not even in physical therapy research, but in um, even in like physician surgical research and stuff that the magic number seems to be about 20, that if somebody does 20 of something a year, you know, 20 surgeries, 20 ACL repairs, 20, whatever, they, the outcomes tend to be better that someone that does less than less than that. So it comes out to, you know, they're seeing one of these cases at least every other week throughout the course of the year it seems to be like the tipping point. And yeah. we talk about it with this too, is, you know, it's, we do it so much that your pattern recognition gets better. Like, okay, you know, you should be, we had a patient, um, about four weeks ago that we picked up, you know, kind of what we talked about a little bit of extension limitation, a little bit of swelling, nothing crazy, start out doing really well, but then we just stalled. And, you know, I see it we see enough of these cases that you're like, this isn't progressing like everyone else, you know, she's falling behind. So I'm like, okay, 
you know, think she, I'm suspecting that there's a Cyclops lesion. We send them to the doctor and we make these decisions faster because you, you see it more. If someone doesn't, yeah. if someone does one or two a year, they don't have the perspective to be like, oh, you're struggling with this. We need to do this. Or you're, you know, you're making faster progress here. This is our next step. They, they don't have that same kind of experience and, and pattern recognition that people that do this all the time have. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I agree. And I think I, I know we recognize that. Right. But I, I don't know if we do a great job educating and telling the public like, Hey, physical therapy is a big field. There are yeah. very, there are generalists out there and then there are specialists out there. And for me, I don't care what anybody says. If you're treating an ACL, you better know what you're doing, especially if they're going back to a high level cutting sport, because you wouldn't be doing them justice if, you know, if you're not going through the proper care and steps and they potentially can get re-injured already off the bat. And if they're not seeing a specialist doing things the right way, then you're really increasing their chances of re-injury. So uh, I think we do have to educate our public a little more and a little better that, hey, after this injury, you should be interviewing PTs just like you're interviewing surgeons, Right. When you're going for ACL surgery, I hope you're not just seeing one surgeon. I hope you're consulting two or three or maybe even four and seeing which is the best fit for you. And I tell them the same thing with rehab. You need to search these clinics. Do they see athletes? Do they see ACLs? Can they take you back to the sport that you want to go back to? This is important. You can't pick a clinic just because it's two miles down the road and your insurance covers it. Because yeah. we know a lot of these clinics out there, they're not equipped to do this stuff. And that's not a knock on those clinics. They see a lot of good patients and they get people back to everyday life. But it's a whole different beast when you're talking about ACL injuries and getting back to high, uh, high level type sports. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, you take the words right out of my mouth when we talk to people kind of back to the pros and cons of this model. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't know anybody that walks into the surgeon and says, you know, picks a surgeon based off, are you most convenient to my house? And, um, yeah. I've never met a patient that goes in and asks the surgeon, like, are you the least expensive surgeon in town? You yeah. know, <laughs> like in general, that's not the case. It's like, are you the best for this situation? And, um, for some reason, our field that just hasn't been something that's, that's taken off in, in quite the same way. Um, and it leads to this wide array of, of care that, that you see, um, across the spectrum, especially with injuries like these. Yeah. And listen, I like to believe it's getting better, but we just have to keep doing our job and telling the public and educating and showing them, Hey, this is a serious injury and it needs specialist type care. So, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. So, um, how does the, back to your platform, how does it, how does it work for somebody that's interested in, um, in looking at it? Like what's kind of the process to get involved with it and, and how does it operate? So we do a membership model where, um, an athlete would sign on for the month. And if they were interested, how we start is through an onboarding call. So it's a 60 minute video call like we're having right now. And, um, we talk more about their case, get to know their needs and their goals, of course. Uh, and then we do an assessment. We take a good look at not only globally how they move, and then we take a closer look at their knee. And depending on you know what we find and where they are in the care, um, we do a customized program for them using our mobile app. So basically, it's an application where they can log on from their cell phone. Um, they're given a schedule every day, depending on what we're working on, um, and it's customized for them. And then 
what we also like to do is a, a weekly check-in. So, you know, one day during the week, we would either do a consult with them 10, 15 minutes through messaging, see how things are going, updates to the program. And what I feel like is the best part of the, the model is 24-7 messaging care. So like if a question or concern, comment, anything that comes up, and if you're a patient, listen, reach out to me, shoot me a text. I will get back to you within that day or 24 hours, we like to say. And it, it really is like having a specialist in your back pocket, right? That's the way I tell them. No matter what the situation or occurrence comes up, they can reach out and we can go over whatever it is. And we do this both standalone or in conjunction with a local therapist. So if they're seeing a generalist and they're not positive with the care, we can kind of oversee and consult it. So that's yeah. how the general platform works. That sounds like a really good resource for, uh, for people that are going through this. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think we uh, really covered uh, ACL overview and kind of what we're seeing the current state yeah. of affairs there uh, pretty well. So I want to shift gears just a little bit. Um, we work with, you know, a lot of our kind of younger high school patients, similar to sounds like you and I that were, or athletes that got injured, ended up in, in physical therapy, um, that then express interest in like, this is what I think I want to do, um, and get into PT as a career. Um, and then we also train a lot of students and I, I teach at a, a local university, the, uh, my alma mater, a couple of classes in sports specialties. Um, awesome. So I just wanted to, I know you're, you've kind of gone through two board certification processes. Um, could you just briefly talk on um, what a board certification is and what it means and then kind of what the process was like and why you got into it? So uh, for me, the biggest reason uh, I got into like going through my specialties or getting into um, being board certified was when I felt like I graduated, I felt like a generalist. I felt like it was a good overall education. Um, but I learned acute care, you learn, you know, neuromuscular stuff, you learn pediatrics, and it's not something that I was interested in, you know, I really just wanted sports type care. And when I graduated, I didn't feel like I got that experience. So the biggest thing for me was seeking out a uh, residency program. And that was uh, huge for my career, both clinically and professionally just helped me grow. Uh, and that I got all very specialized sports level type care. And it helped me sit for these boards. And as far as the boards, I mean, I'm not sure if your, your listeners know, but um, we recognize that as being a specialist in that type of field, right? I think there's nine specialties maybe altogether, uh, I believe. Um, and I have my sports and orthopedics. And they're very similar. And the sports goes off into obviously more acute type care. Um, but it wasn't so much the board certifications for me. That's great. I studied for them. It was super important to me. And I, and I, but at the end of the day, it's a test. So you study for a test, you prepare, you're going to do well. I think for me, it was the training and I, I, I wouldn't trade my residency in for anything. I think when I graduated, it's something that I really was looking forward to. Um, and after I finished it, I, uh, something that I educate all new students on. If you're looking for, more of a niche or more of a specialty type training these are great programs to, to go out and find because you get really that mentorship that may help take you to the next level yeah yeah i think it's a i think it's a good option it's you know something i, I just had a non-traditional path where i worked before i went back to pt school um you know in the athletic training high level sport environment and so 
it's been something that I've, I've always thought about. I just wasn't in a position to kind of an internship and residency my, myself out before I, uh, before I graduate. But uh, it's definitely something that now I teach a sport, sports elective at our, at, at the Marquette University. It's something that I, I kind of set up to try to help kids that have an interest and think they might want to do a sports um, residency to get a small taste of it and, and then make sure it's something that they want to do and then be able to help prepare them a little bit better to, to try and go forward and, and, uh, and apply and, and earn some of those high level residency positions. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I, and for you, like being a trainer, I think, especially when you go into the sports field, I think that helped you probably more so than you even realized, right? Like yeah. you had such good background in acute care and treating athletes in the training room. And, and that's the one of the biggest components of, you know, getting into sports, physical therapy. So I, that's almost a residency in itself, right? Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah, exactly. No, that's, uh, that's really helpful. I'm going to definitely reference uh, this part of the conversation with all our all our students uh, that we have come through that are thinking about going and doing a sports residency and want to know if it's it's worth their time I'll just uh, point them in this in this direction they can go go hear it from uh, hear it from somebody that's done it yeah absolutely and they can more than welcome to reach out I try to you know I, I do some teaching assistance on the side too so anytime students ask I say hey use me as a resource reach out to me if I could help answer any questions or connect you with any residency directors like I will uh, I think um, I don't think most programs educate and talk about residencies and fellowships enough um, and it's a good avenue for students who just feel like they're looking for more of a specialty after they graduate it's it, it, you know it's a good route for them to go and I I if they're better prepared or educated while they're in school um, it opens them up you know doors for after they graduate yeah no that's uh that's fantastic um, maybe I'll have to, I'll hit you up again and maybe I'll have, we'll do a zoom call into uh, my class this fall because who knows, it might end up being yeah. virtual anyway. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> maybe you can uh, be a guest <laughs> lecturer from, uh, from distance. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. That sounds really good. So we always kind of wrap this up with just a fun, uh, fun lightning round of a uh, couple questions to help people get to know you a little bit better. Um, oh. this is a fun one. I usually ask clinicians, do you have a, a, a favorite exercise for, for somebody, uh, going through an ACL rehab. Favorite exercise. Um, I'll tell you the knee extension machine as boring as it is, <laughs> I yep. will tell you, and I educate early and often, I will put you on the knee extension twice a day, three times a day if I could. So, yep. uh, and I use it early and often. <laughs> that's uh that's great. Okay. What about, I know you were an athlete and I think you even played uh, soccer, I believe in, in college, you have a, a career athletic highlight you want to share? Career athletic highlight I want to share. Um, I just uh, really being a big part of the game. I mean, just even getting into college playing soccer was the biggest thing for me. Uh, I was happy when I got that scholarship and that letter that was one of the most important moments of my life. That's fantastic. Okay. What about um, kind of career highlights so far as a PT? Uh, opening up not only Rehab Performance Academy, but the ACL Academy, I feel like this is, has meant the world to me. And really over the past two years, as we're going through this process, I wish I did it seven, eight years ago. I mean, I graduated in 2010 and I'm glad about the experience I got. Um, but nothing feels better than, um, you know, working for yourself and working to grow your company and making these connections and helping people. Uh, just so awesome. 
Yeah, that's been... as you know, right? Like to you, like this is probably I don't know when you graduated, but I I'm feeling like maybe similar to me. Like this is such a cool feeling for you to have your own place and facility and athletes coming to you, you know, your home, right? Yeah. No, we've uh, that's we try to create an environment that is really mimicking what we'd experienced. Uh, you know, my wife worked in a D1 environment. I worked in professional sports for a brief period of time. And we tried to create that same level, that same environment, same level of care that, that the best of the best are able to experience and bring it to, you know, anyone in our area that that's um, interested in, and uh, we've been able to help so many people. And then for those that are thinking about it, just the, you, know, you can't put a, you can't put a price on flexibility. I've got a two year old at home and, um, you know, the ability to have him be sick and be able to rearrange my schedule and, and stay home and help him and things like that. Just, there's no, there's no price that you can put on that. Absolutely not. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so, awesome. All right, Con. Well, I really appreciate your time today. It's a great conversation. I hope that athletes that are going through an ACL uh, rehab process are able to take a lot out of this um, interview today. Um, where can athletes learn more about you? Uh, yeah, so the easiest ways are probably, uh, one is Instagram, uh, ACL underscore Academy is the, the link, uh, the, the tag. Um, or you could email me at con at rehabperformance.com. Those are the two ways they can reach out. and I'm open to talking with anybody. So, Okay, great. We'll uh, get those two links in the show notes and um, get those out there. Um, so thank you again for your time today and thanks to everyone else for listening and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Milwaukee sports performance podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new that will help you achieve your goals. If you did, we would love for you to head over to Instagram and search M K E sports podcast, like follow, or comment on today's episode. If you have questions, comments, topics, or guest suggestions, reach out through that Instagram account. Your feedback will help us make this podcast as relevant and informative as possible. If you have additional time, we'd appreciate your help in spreading this information. If you could head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, it will help us spread the word to more athletes in the greater Milwaukee area. Have a great day, and we will see you next time.